welcome to the Elevate Live podcast channel. We hope this sermon encourages and inspires you so you can go and grow to your next level. For more information about our church, please visit our website, elevate.life. Enjoy the message. We're so glad that you're here and we're going to jump into today, why doesn't life work? This is a question uh, that we ask, you know, in life we are all, um, I don't know if you're like this, but I'm like this. We're always asking ourselves questions that are kind of a little bit rhetorical. And you might not be in a season of your life today where you're asking why your life doesn't work, but there have definitely been times in my own personal life where I've asked myself, uh, why isn't my life working the way that it's supposed to? And uh, we believe that God covers this, that God, God wants us to walk through our life, that God wants us to live a great life. You're in that kind of church. So, so if you have your Bible, open up with me to Philippians chapter three. If you don't have your Bible, we got notes on our app, we got notes everywhere, and we got a, a Bible in the sky. So uh, Philippians chapter three, and we're gonna start in verse 12. We're just gonna jump in. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess the perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. We all, uh, we all wanna be perfect on some level. Now you might not in your mind wanna be perfect, you might, not be, you might not in your mind wanna be someone else's version of perfect, but all of us have in our mind an idea of perfection, and I wanna talk about that first. You know, the, the word that Paul uses here in Greek, not that any of us are Greek scholars in this room, is the word tetaleomai, okay? And if I got that wrong, just forgive me. I speak English. Not, not Greek very well, I'm okay at English. About a seventh grade level, I'm getting better. Uh, so the, the word that Paul uses to describe perfection is not, hey, go be perfect and never make a mistake in your life. That's not what he's saying. Not, I press on towards absolute perfection and never screwing up again. What he says is I press on towards completion, being finished, ultimately becoming all that God has destined me to become. And so in our life, here's what happens. We have this idea of perfection. Now you might not think in your mind that you have that. Here's how you know that you have an idea of perfection. If you ever at any point say that something should be a certain way, like this is not how my relationship should be, or this is how my relationship should be. This is not how this is supposed to go. This is not supposed to be happening to me or this is supposed to be happening to me. We have an idea in our mind, hopefully you do, have this idea in your mind of what you want your life to look like. Now, um, today, I don't wanna invite you into uh, the law of attraction. I don't wanna invite you into manifesting. That's like, you're gonna miss if you do that. You know, according to law of attraction people, now if you follow the law of attraction, just forgive me, whatever. You'll get over it. Um, just, I, just, don't attract me to you, I don't know. So <laughs> according to law of attraction people, 94% of people that 
use the law of attraction, it doesn't work for them. Now what law of attraction people will tell you is that, hey, like, you know, it's because you're not doing it right. Well, how hard is the law of attraction? Like you just attract it to yourself. You don't have to follow a bunch of rules to do that. But all of us are going through life, and the reason why I say that is because I'm not inviting you into a greater level of mindfulness or manifesting your truth in the earth. All I'm saying is that there's a way in life we think things are supposed to go. And if we're honest with ourselves, those things and where we are today are far away from each other. Okay, Paul is saying here, and so we're always trying in life, we're always trying in life to figure out like how in the world I can get my preferred life to show up for me in some way with honestly as little work as possible. <laughs> Paul's saying, I'm not who God wanted me to be at every moment of my life. Okay, there are times each one of us could look back and go, well, could have been better then. Wish I would have known. Hindsight's 2020, right? Uh, but I'm also um, not who he wants me to be now, but at some point in my life, I will have finally arrived at the place God wants me to be. What's the thing in life that Paul says prevents us, <clears throat> prevents our life from working, prevents our life from being perfect? That's the fact that we can't forget the past. Paul says, this one thing I do, one thing, I don't have 15 points for you today. This one thing I do, I press on and I forget the past. How many of us, um, in life, pretty much all of us have some kind of past hurt we can remember. Now, if you don't have a past hurt you can remember, you just haven't lived long enough yet. You probably need to go to our kids' ministry because you don't maybe need to be in this room. This is like we're, you know, probably 13 and up, right? We need you to go. But even like, you know, maybe you're a baby, right? But I have an eight-month-old daughter who uh, probably remembers past hurts from me already. So I, I, I don't know. So pretty much everybody that we know, all of us, have some kind of past hurt that we remember, that we like focus on, that we kind of have in our mind, it kind of you know, works its way through our life at different times. And you know what I've heard said a lot in uh, culture, just in the world, I don't know who said it, it's kind of this anonymous statement, that you should, you should forgive but never forget, right? And so what I'm saying today is gonna, gonna go against the grain on that. Well, I wanna tell you, forgive but never forget isn't in the Bible, first of all. Um, second of all, uh, by observation, here, here's what I would tell you. Most of the people I've known in my life that say forgive but never forget don't seem to be the most forgiving people. Like they usually say forgive but never forget in a really angry way. Like for, I'll forgive you but never forget what happened. Like usually forgiveness and anger aren't, you know, tied together. So if someone says forgive but never forget, I'm not sure uh, they understand what, what forgiveness is. Now, if you're sitting here and you're like, how dare you say that, just know I don't know you, I don't know your life, so uh, just let that hit, hit you and bounce off. But I feel like the people that say that aren't really quite, and those of us that say that to ourselves, like I can forgive, but I'll never forget what happened. Um, <clears throat> We think that in some way that's a working strategy, but let me ask you this question. So here at Elevate Life, we have this thing we call the effectiveness question. Okay, the effectiveness question is just, how's that working out for you? So if someone ever wants to coach you, speak into your life, tell you what to do, you should ask the question, how's that working out for this person? It's kinda like uh, uh, the, the fat guy at the gym, right? who's gonna coach you on your diet plan and your exercise plan. 
we love everybody, but I'm not gonna listen to that guy. Why? Because I'm asking this question. How's that working out for you? You know, like sometimes you see a car just broke down, right? Just like looks rough. They got a, they got a bumper sticker or some kind of huge design on the back of their car. Text me, call me, I will teach you how to make $10,000 a month. Really? Are you doing your own plan? Well, no, but I'll teach you how to do it, right? It's all theoretical. So how's that working out for us? Forgiving and not forgetting. Let's say you're like locked in in your life on, okay, I forgive, but I'll never forget. How's that working out for you? Are you better? Are you healthier? Are your, are your relationships good? Are you fulfilled? Now the thing is, you don't have to answer these questions for me. You don't have to report back to me. But we have a lot of self-talk. And so just in your own mind, just be honest with yourself. You don't have to be honest with anybody else. Just be honest with yourself. How's that working out, forgiving and not forgetting? Is it helping you? Do you feel better? Are you enjoying your life? Is your life working? Now if I'm honest with myself about the things that I don't wanna forget, that I believe I've forgiven, but I really haven't forgiven. It doesn't work out for me when I do that, and it hasn't. So there's two simple steps to start to make life work, because that's one of the reasons why life, don't, life doesn't work. We can't forget the past. We gotta forgive, and we gotta forget. Two steps, really simple. Not that easy, though. <laughs> you thought I was gonna say easy? Sorry, you must have never done this before if you think this is easy. Um, to forgive means to let go and release. That's, that's, the, that's the, just the definition of the word forgive. Like I'm gonna let it go, I'm gonna drop it, and I'm not gonna hold on to it anymore. David Yonggi Cho, who um, is the founder of the largest church in the world uh, in, in Seoul, South Korea, he, uh, in one of his books, he tells this story. He says, one day after, uh, the largest church, by the way, they, they have over a million people that come to church there. It's pretty wild. So one day after our fourth service, a man knocked on the door of my office. I opened the door, this man came into the room, and I thought he might be drunk. He walked with such a staggering step, he sat down and pulled something out of his pocket. It was a sharp dagger, and I was frightened. I thought, what are these people doing letting him in here? Here he is with a dagger, and they let him in. I was really frightened as he handled the dagger, and I prepared to defend myself. And then I said, don't use that knife. Tell me why you came here. He replied, sir, I'm going to commit suicide. But first, I'm gonna kill my wife, I'm gonna kill my father-in-law, I'm gonna kill my mother-in-law, and everybody else around me. My friend advised me to come and attend one of your services before I do all of these things. So I came and attended the fourth service, and after listening to you, I'm gonna carry out all my plans. Don't you love that? Like someone's like, hey, I'd really love to talk to you about this issue that I'm having, and I think I'm gonna blow everything up. Well, you know, don't, hey, come on, don't do that. Just, you give them the best part of you, and like, I hear everything you're saying, and you have even more confirmed reasons why I should do this. It's like my dream. Talk about forgiveness today, and you're gonna walk out of here going, I should never forgive. Anyway. He says, I'm a dying man. I have tuberculosis and I'm constantly coughing. I'm dying. Calm down, Yonggi Cho said to him. Sit here and tell me your story. Well, he replied, during the last stage of the Vietnam War, I went out as a technician and bulldozer driver. I worked all through the front lines, making bunkers and roads, risking my life in order to make more money. 
I sent all the money I made to my wife, and when the war was over, I had scarcely enough to get out of Vietnam. I sent a telegram from Hong Kong to my wife, and when I arrived at Seoul Airport, I was expecting to see her with our children. But when I got there, I couldn't even find a shadow of them. I thought that perhaps they hadn't received my telegram, but when I rushed home, I found strangers living there. I found out that my wife had run away with a young man. She had left me taking all of my savings and was running away. She was living in another part of town and I went to, hear, I went to her and begged her to come back to me, but she was adamant, determined not to return. I went to my wife's father and mother's home and protested. They gave me $40. <laughs> and then chased me out of their house. Just don't give them the money, you know, it's 40 bucks. Anyway, in less than a week, I had a burning hatred in my heart and I began to vomit blood. Now tuberculosis is fast eating me away and there's no hope for me. I'm gonna destroy them, every one of them, and then I'm gonna kill myself. Sir, I told him, this is not the way to carry out your revenge. The best way to get yourself healed is to find a new job make a better and more beautiful home and show yourself off to them. This way you can really carry out your revenge. But if you kill all of them and then kill yourself, it would not bring any satisfaction. I hate them, he cried. So as long as you hate them, you are going to destroy yourself, I said. When you hate, you destroy yourself more than you do others. Why don't you try Jesus, I asked. When Jesus comes into your heart, all the power of God comes and dwells in you. The power of God will flow through you. God will touch you, heal you, and restore your life. You can reconstruct your life, and that would be real revenge against your enemies. I sent him to Prayer Mountain, which was a facility that they owned, where he accepted Jesus Christ as his personal savior, but he still could not totally forgive his wife. So I asked him to bless his wife. The best way of forgiving your wife is to bless her, bless her spirit, bless her soul, bless her body and her life. Pray to God that he will, he will open the door of heaven and bless her. I can't bless her, he exclaimed. I will not curse her, but I can't bless her. I answered, if you don't bless her, you're not going to be healed. When you bless, the blessings start from you and go out. You are going to be more blessed by your words of blessing than she is. In Korea, there's an old saying, if you wanna smear the face of others with mire, you will have to smear your hand first. So if you curse your wife, the curse will flow out of your mouth first and you will be cursed first. If you bless your wife, the word of blessing bubbles up from your heart going through your mouth and you become blessed first. Go ahead and bless her. He sat down and began to bless her. At first, while grinding his teeth, he prayed, oh God, I bless my wife. Bless her and give her salvation. God, give her a blessing. <laughs> he kept on blessing her. And in less than a month, he was completely healed from tuberculosis and a changed person. The power of God began flowing out of him. The power of God began flowing out of him and his face shone. When I met him a month later, he excitedly said, oh, Pastor Cho, 
I rejoice in the Lord. I praise God that now I really appreciate my wife, for it was because she left me that I found Jesus. I pray for her every day. I have renewed my license as a bulldozer driver. I have a new job, and I'm making a new home and a new life. Some of us have have had people that left our life a long time ago, but we still live with them every day. Like these people are living rent-free in our head. From the time we wake up to the time we go to sleep, we're not blessing them, we're cursing them. Sure, that person might be dead. Y'all might have been divorced a long time ago or you just might not have spoken to them in a really long time. But we wake up in the morning, we think about how much we hate them, how much we hope that their life is a mess, how much we hope that like, they're burning in hell. We think about, all, you think about all the things that they did to screw up our life and how they messed us up and how without them, my life would have been in a better place and this situation wouldn't have happened and none of this. And we don't even think to ourselves that all of that hate that's going on inside of us is destroying us from the inside out. In life, you think about um, how, much, how much time we spend thinking about the people that hurt us and uh, compared to how much time they spend thinking about us, it's probably not that, not that much, right? If you've ever had a conversation with someone that hurt you at some point, I feel like when I've had these kind of conversations, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time someone will go, wow, I didn't even know, I don't even remember that I said that, which that don't, that, that's hard to forgive too. Like, how do you not remember? I've lived my whole life based on that. It's like a real Ricky Bobby moment, you know? And, um, and I don't, like forgiveness, R.T. Kendall wrote this really great book called Total Forgiveness. And I wanna invite you to get this. I feel like everybody ever should read this book. Anyone who's ever had to forgive anybody for anything should read this book because true forgiveness is how we decide to respond to something every time we think about it. You don't forgive someone one time. It's not a once and for all thing. Like, okay, I forgive you, let's go. You have to forgive somebody every time you think about that issue. Every time you think about it, you you have to go, okay, like I'm gonna drop that. That's what forgiveness is. I'm going to drop it. I'm not going to hold on to it. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to forgive. Sometimes we might, get a conver- we might get a chance to have a conversation with that person and forgive them in person. Most of the time, those people probably will never apologize to us, and we might not ever speak to them again. That has nothing to do with our power to forgive. You don't need an apology in order f- to forgive. What you need to do is just decide what the position of your heart is towards that person every time you think about them. And when we decide to live a life where people live rent-free in our head, I promise you, we're the ones suffering. We're the ones that are going through life thinking about all these different ways that we wish our life was different. And if this situation just wouldn't happen, then it wouldn't be this way. And we just hang out in the past on that. And we think somehow we're going to be able to move forward at some point. Paul says, Philippians chapter 3, I want to move forward into being everything that God wants me to be perfection. In order to do that, I have to forget the past. Well, to get to the point where we can forget our past, we got to forgive what's in our past that we keep looking at. So, so decide in your mind, whatever it is, you and me both, that we need to let go. So then we got to forget though. Okay, so most of us, honestly, we're just hanging out on forgiveness. Like I can't even do that. You know, like Jesus talked about this whole thing, it's like bothersome. It really bothers me this is in the Bible because then I got to do it, right? 
It's like, bless your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. I mean, the, the, the biblical word there for persecution is like someone who wants to kill you. Now, you might have someone right now who's like really trying to actually physically kill you. Jesus says, pray for them. Pray that God will bless them. Like, that's silly. Why would you say that? Why would you make me do that? Why would you ask that out of me? That's, that's insane. Doesn't make sense. So why would I bless people that have cursed me? Why would I bless people? Why would I pray that God would bless people that hurt me? You know how to know that you've really forgiven somebody? Number one, you don't have to tell the story anymore. Like there's some people, they love that story, right? Like they will find a way to insert it into just about every conversation they have. Like we'll be out to dinner like, man, like this, you know, this Chinese food tastes so good. Yeah, I remember the last time I had Chinese food with old what's his name and you know, that was where he broke up with me in public so I didn't cry too much or her broke up with him, whatever, right? And I remember, and then it's like, bro, we're just trying to enjoy this soup right now. I don't know why you're, can we just, can we just not? Can we have one conversation that goes by where we don't bring up old what's his name, right? So people go through life and that's, that's what they do when they think about it. Like, they always gotta tell the story. You ever had somebody, I have, for sure, the first time you meet them, like, you don't even know them. They start with their hurt. Hey, man, so good to meet you. Yeah, you know, let me tell you about all the crap that I gotta go through every day. So glad that I've taken time out of my life to get to know you. This is beautiful, you are blessing me with this. Hey, like, I would love for you to carry, my, here's all the pain I carry. Can you just like carry some of this too? Like I want you to have some of my pain with me and whenever you look at me, I want you to see not who I am, I just want you to see my hurt. So we go through life and we do that and we feel like it's okay to keep telling the story. The way to know you've really forgiven someone if you've actually let go uh, and released something is you don't have to tell the story anymore. You don't have to tell the story when someone doesn't ask you, <laughs> okay, stop it. You also don't have to tell the story when someone does ask you. Like, hey, you know, it's in the past, I've forgiven it, I've let it go. The second, the second way to know that you've forgiven somebody is if you can watch them win and not be mad about it. Like, I'm so glad that person is succeeding in their next marriage, right? That's, that's hard, that's hard, I can't imagine, right? Like, I've had friends that have left, I'm like, I hope that you live the rest of your life on welfare and you never make a dollar. I'm just saying in my default state, I'm a human being, okay? I got, we all got hurts. I've had people in my life that I'm like, I see them kind of winning, like on social media, like, you know, no one posts the lowlights to social. Like, they're like, here's my highlight reel. I'm like, you, you, it looks like you're doing good, but I bet, I bet behind the scenes, it's all falling apart and you're just trying to hide it. That's how I think, <laughs> just excuse me. I'm having to do this for myself, you know, anyway, with people. So the way to know you've really walked in forgiveness with somebody is when you can watch them win, watch them succeed, and be happy for them, right? So if you can't do one of those two things, if number one, you can't stop telling the story, or number two, uh, you can't watch them win and celebrate it, you, you're not quite in the forgiveness zone yet. And we have to walk through forgiveness every time we hear that, and I really do recommend that book. But we also have to take that next step. So now we're in this place, so beautiful. We've forgiven this person. Awesome. Paul says not just to forgive, he says to forget. It means to no longer care about. The word that he uses there is like literally the word for neglect. Like act as if it, it didn't even happen. I wanna introduce you to somebody. This guy's name is Eli Mabel. He's the chief of the Danny tribe in Papua New Guinea. This is his ancestor, Agat Mamete Mabel. 
he's 250 years old. He's as old as George Washington. And they're still hanging out. In, in, the, in, the, in the Danny tribe's uh, culture, it is, they, they keep their ancestors around for a really long time to preserve their power. And what's interesting to me is that's pretty much how every other culture works too. That we keep, like, imagine, like, this person hurt you, right? And you just, like, we're just rolling around together. Like, you go to dinner, like, hey, let me, y'all got a spot for Mamete? Like, I need to sit him on the table (laughs) while we all eat. Like, he's got his own little, he's got his own little stump right here, his little feeder hanging out there. So how many of us are carrying that around? Like, you know, like, you you go to a meeting, and, like, you get your feelings hurt at a meeting because your last boss was a certain way, and it's like, okay, let's have the meeting. No, hang on, I gotta get my ancestor out of my backpack here. And, okay, what were you saying? I gotta hold him while you talk about this. Because I'm still trying to keep this thing alive. Like, we go through life, and we're just carrying around our pain. This dead time in our life, like, as if we draw strength from that thing. Like, in this culture, and uh, that, that might be too graphic for some of y'all. So, in this culture, in the Danny culture, they believe that if they keep their ancestors' bodies around, they draw power from that. How many of us go through life, we keep all this stuff around? We like love outrage culture. We're professional victims too. I'm gonna find something else to be victimized by, right? Because being a victim actually makes me feel more powerful in some weird dysfunctional way. Like, but we're, we're just carrying this stuff. The dead thing that we're carrying might be the actions of others that have affected us. So I wanna, I wanna invite you into something as it relates to forgetting because forgetting is to no longer care about and I wanna, I wanna just, I wanna, I wanna encourage you with this. It's time to bury the dead. So in, in our life, we have to be these kind of people that um, go through life not holding on to dead things. That time in your life, it's like the toothpaste is out of the tube. Like once it's out of the tube, we can't put it back in. That's what I'm realizing with a three-year-old, right? Charlie's starting to brush her teeth on her own. I wanna do the toothpaste. Like everything's I wanna do it, you know? So first, first couple, <laughs> sorry. Like motions on my sleeves, right? Some of y'all have, have little kids. So the first time, I remember the first time that we, that she brushed her teeth by herself, she grabs the toothpaste tube as if it's a a rock and just squeezes it, toothpaste everywhere. We can't put it back in, right? That's how the past works. Toothpaste is out of the tube. Just clean it up. No crying over spilled milk. This is stuff we tell our kids that we should actually live by. So I want to ask you a question, like what is the dead thing that you're carrying around in your life? Should have been put in the ground a long time ago. Like, it's dead. That thing's over with. There's no point. There's no point in just, well, let me just, you know, like here's my, you know, like it, it, it makes it harder for us, right? Imagine carrying your like dead ancestor around everywhere you go. It's a lot of work. I'm trying to go on vacation. Well, where are we going to put the body? I don't know. You know, get a body bag, I guess. On and on we could go with this analogy. But the dead thing that we're carrying might be the actions of others that have affected us. Right, like, you know, there are some, there are just, 
There are some things in our life, and, and trust me, I get it. I know that you know, in people's minds, the pastor should never have had any kind of pain or hurt or issues with people to work through. Uh, this is not that kind of church. Like, we're all human beings. And so there is stuff that's deep for me as a person that people have done to me personally that still, like for me every day, it's hard in the story of my life to work through that and to be healthy and to fight to be emotionally healthy, to fight to be mentally healthy, to fight to like bring my best to these other people. Although I know probably that person's gonna leave and that person's gonna leave and that person's gonna say something about me to somebody else. I'm gonna have to deal with this, especially as an introvert. Like if you're introverted, it's even harder to have friends because when you have a friend that like isn't a good friend, you're like, I don't even need friends. What do I even do with these people around me? Like now they hate me. I don't even want them anyway. I'm just trying to like, be a human being and like embrace relationship. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so the dead thing that we're carrying might be the actions of others that have affected us. That that person's dead and gone. Either they moved on with their life, they're dead, or they forgot about it. Or the dead thing that we're carrying might be uh, our own actions that we beat ourselves up for every day. Like you might have been this person, you know, and the older I get, the more I'm this person. And I hope, I hope to God that God really helps me in my own life to not be this person. But it's like the older we get, the more we become the negative part of people's stories. Like, oh yeah, everything was good. Then, then you showed up, messed up my whole life. Like, well, I didn't want to. I mean, I'm sorry. I know I'm an idiot, but like, just forgive me. So like, we all do stupid stuff. We all mess up. And, and sometimes in our mess ups, we mess up other people too. And we gotta, we gotta trust God with that. That doesn't excuse our behavior, that doesn't excuse what we do wrong, but it's like, man, like, let's, let's, let's just not hold on to that for ourselves and not look at what we didn't do as a parent and what we haven't done for that friend and what it, how it didn't go with that employee and whatever all the things are that we tell ourselves and just say, man, I wanna be who God wants me to be. I wanna achieve perfection. I wanna be complete. I wanna be everything that God wants me to be. And here's what I gotta do. I gotta forget that stuff. I gotta forget it. I gotta forget what someone else did to me, how, what, what kind of whatever someone else did that affected me. And I also gotta forget all the things that I've done that haven't gone well. I gotta learn the lesson of that. Like to forget doesn't mean you don't learn the lesson. And it also doesn't mean you're still that person's friend. Someone's mean to you, I would probably recommend that you don't just keep hanging out with them, that you surround yourself with people that are gonna believe the best in you. But bury the dead and forget it. If you gotta put a headstone on it, put a headstone on it. But otherwise, unmarked grave all the way. We can't even find this thing anymore. Take that body, just throw it in there. Peace. We have to press forward into becoming all that God has, has, has destined us to become. So Pastor Keith says it this way, what has been is your past. What is, is your present. What is possible is your future. Never allow what has been or what is to keep you from what is possible. This is our year of possible. This is our... This is our year of possible. This is Miracle March, right? That's what we're calling it as a church. This is a month God's gonna do miracles. God's gonna use you to do miracles. But we gotta understand how we can partner with God to make the impossible possible. Because it's our job to believe, it's God's job to do the impossible, but we gotta take action. And to make life work, we gotta forget the past. 
So bow your heads with me and close your eyes. Uh, even if you're online, I just, just I want to invite you to do this. Obviously, I can't check it, but, you know, honor system. <laughs> so if you're, if, you, if you're in here, I, just, I, I want you to, to understand something, that all of this for us starts with our ability to follow Jesus. Because a true understanding of forgiveness starts with us understanding what we've been forgiven for. Right? Like, like you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But there's a God who is. And we don't deserve to have a relationship with him. We don't deserve to live a good life. But he wants us to anyway. Like this God that Paul's talking about, he designed the plan. He designed perfection. He said, I want you to be everything that I've designed you to be. And you gotta come along with me in the journey. And, and we don't do that because we're perfect now. We do that because of what we wanna be in the future. And so 2,000 years ago, God does this amazing thing. He sends Jesus to this earth a perfect person, God in flesh, to live and die a sinless life so that we can have relationship with God that isn't about us or anything that we do. All it's about is about understanding God loves us and he forgave us already. Anything in your life right now that you're struggling with being forgiven for, God forgave it literally 2,000 years ago. It's way longer than you can remember. So if you're struggling with forgiving yourself, God doesn't want you to struggle with that. If you're struggling with forgiving other people, God forgave them a long time ago too, so you might as well join that journey. But what it starts with is by acknowledging the fact that we can only do this because God so loves us and wants to forgive us in the midst of what's hard for us. Jesus came to this earth so that we could be restored into right relationship with the God that created us and allow Him to lead us through life. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to our channel on iTunes and YouTube. That way, you know when a new sermon has been uploaded. Also, if this message has impacted you and you want to contribute to help us reach more people, feel free to go to elevate.life forward slash give. We look forward to seeing you here next time.